This week, my guest is Alexia Vernon. It's a really, really interesting conversation. Alexia talks about her background, how she went from theater and education to developing a brand, serving corporates, giving people the confidence to have those critical conversations. Um, That's why her brand is Step Into Your Moxie. And Moxie, if you've not heard the term before, speaks to people's vigor and courage and energy. And um, what's interesting is the adversity she overcame um, in the process of owning this business. So we'll talk today about that, what programs she offers her clients, uh, who needs what she sells, how she's generated leads from organizations such as Twinings, the big tea brand, MGM Resorts. Uh, She's contributed to publications like CNN, NBC, ABC, Forbes, and Women's Health Magazine. And that's particularly important to Alexia. And that's why on her website, you'll see a couple of logos at the bottom, all about a disability-owned business and a women's-owned business. And that's um, an interesting aspect of the story. And also the fact that she has a team of consultants whom she's hired. She has her own Moxie certification, which she then sells. She develops people under that brand of Moxie certification. And I find all of this really interesting. And perhaps that's something you've thought about doing. Maybe you've thought about taking your knowledge and creating a certification program, getting people certified in this, uh, and then selling it. So all of that is today's episode with Alexia Vernon. This is the Training Business Podcast. And welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett Hayes. Hey, welcome to the show. My name is Mark. This is the Training Business Podcast, and it's the weekly show for self-employed consultants, trainers, coaches, facilitators like you and me all around the world. And the focus of every episode of the show is on the business of you and me making money from our programs, our experience, courses, keynotes, workshops, books, trainings, retreats, whatever that thing is for you. Maybe you have your own expert business already. Perhaps you're thinking of starting one. Either way, this is the show for you. In terms of my story, I'm a self-employed trainer, coach, published author, And it's my privilege every week to host this show. I've been employed, unemployed, self-employed, and I love what I do, which is helping my clients direct and indirect. I work with other companies under their umbrella, but I also work with my own clients. And what I'm doing every week is helping people like you and me by sharing the learning or lessons of guests on the show. Sometimes it's just you and I, sometimes, in fact, most of the time, it's guests on the show. And my guest this week is Alexia Vernon. I'd love you to click on follow or subscribe right now to be notified of great episodes of the Training Business Podcast as they come out. It costs absolutely nothing and takes only a couple of seconds to do. Alexia, hi, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Where are you right now? Las Vegas, Nevada. Okay. So what's interesting is uh, your, your brand and your story. I'd like to begin with um, just getting you to confirm what your brand is, and, um, and then we'll talk about your background. Sounds good. My company and brand are all aligned around Step Into Your Moxie. Mm-hmm. 
which I describe as possessing the mindset and the skill set to be able to walk into any room, into any conversation, onto any stage, and speak up for yourself, for the ideas and issues that matter to you and to your company, and consistently call people to take action. Right. So you train people in this area. Once. Yeah. But that's the goal is yeah. whether we're working individually with a leader who has that aspiration or we're working organizationally to develop employees who possess those abilities, that fusion of not just confidence and competence, but also persuasion, being able to get the results that you seek from your communication. Now, you mentioned stage, which is interesting, and I think that segues nicely into your background. How did you go from a background of theater and education to developing a brand now serving corporates? Although I've always been somebody who's very driven, most of the transitions in my career have happened through serendipity. And to answer your question and rewind probably 17 or so years, while I was a performer, I was getting my graduate education at New York University and had an assistantship that I thought would mean going into classrooms and using theater to talk about difficult social issues. However, I got tracked pretty quickly into the professional development wing of our organization and loved it. Never had thought about going in as a trainer, particularly because I've always had a very awkward relationship to public speaking. And yet when I wasn't suddenly in front of large audiences, but might have 30 educators and it was more of a facilitated conversation versus me being on stage like a show pony, I realized, ah, oh, this lets me do the coaching piece that I love. It lets me perform, but also ask really juicy questions. And so over the next two to three years, while um, in that role, I got certified as a coach didn't necessarily know I what I would do with that for quite a while, but I think the the story of our lives often shows up in the work, whether we choose it or the work chooses us. And because I'd had this on-again, off-again relationship with my own voice, I was getting asked more and more independently once I'd hung out my own shingle and was having one foot in academia, teaching at the university level, one foot in the creative arts, doing the professional development and starting my own side hustle. On the side hustle, I was getting asked more and more to speak about communication skills and how to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And so about 15 years ago, I went all in in this direction. So with that in mind, what programs do you offer your clients? Great question. Our clients are twofold. We have individual entrepreneurs, consultants, trainers who are coming directly to us. That population comes to us for our Step Into Your Moxie certification, where we train that population in our vocal empowerment process so that they can use Step Into Your Moxie activities, principles, teachings, and so forth with their clients or in their organizations. Then we also serve... Uh, when I think about who we go in and work with in organizations, it's usually a vice president of people development, or it might be a C-suite leader who's seen me at an executive forum where I do a lot of speaking. And there we're doing a lot of team communication. We're looking at folks who are in public roles in terms of supporting with presentation skills. So that could be sales. That could also be scientists, folks in innovation and research and development who have to speak on behalf of products and services. 
And we also do quite a bit around women. So working with women's leadership initiatives to help high potential women find their voice and use it more successfully within their companies. And and that um, also sparks something in my mind, which is the fact that uh, on your website, you have a series of logos at the bottom. Uh, I won't ask you to explain all the acronyms, but um, thank you. it's about uh, <laughs> what women-focused businesses, um, how important is that to you and why have you chosen to to lead with that? Yes. So we are certified. Step into your moxie as a woman-owned business because I am the owner and I'm a woman. Um, we're also certified as a disability-owned business through Disability In because as a cancer survivor and with a vocal condition, ironic, isn't it, that I lead vocal work and I have um, ongoing hoarseness, but that that was important for us for a couple of reasons. Number one, our work is always rooted in when we step into our moxie, we give those who might be marginalized permission and a pathway to do the same. And so being able to say we are unapologetic about being a woman-owned business, unapologetic about having a owner, aka me, who has a disability at the helm, helps organizations recognize that even if we're coming in to do a traditional speak up and influence looking at how do we center and elevate marginalized voices is going to be a part of that step into your moxie experience. It's one of our differentiators, just like we use role play and improv to help people find the words to have uncomfortable conversations. So is having an eye on making sure that everybody that we're working with has equal opportunity to use their voice. Okay. Um, And speaking of the kinds of organizations you work with, You've worked, according to your website, with Twinings, which is a big tea brand, um, MGM Resorts, and some software companies, and so on. How did you generate those leads? That's, this is always intriguing to people listening. How do you get to work with companies of that size and reputation? Almost every opportunity for an organization that has come our way has come one of two ways. One, a referral. Don't need to speak too much about that because, you know, unfortunately you can't get a referral till you get the work in the first place, but then it's happened somewhat organically, particularly we're going into our 16th year. We might've had somebody at a particular organization, let's say MGM resorts. Then they moved to Zappos. They loved our work. They introduced us to somebody at MGM resorts to keep the work going there, but then they bring us to that next organization. So that's been one pathway, but the part that I've been very deliberate about has been getting FaceTime as a speaker at events where decision makers are present, which is one of the reasons why I will still speak frequently to a CEO form, even if being paid a really modest honorarium, because if those decision makers are in the room and they enjoy the work, thinking about two things we're negotiating right now, both of them came from speaking to a group of less than 15 people, but they were all C-suite leaders. Will you come keynote at this event or will you come train at this event? Some of my more recent opportunities, like I just got back from London doing something with a Fortune 10 company there, came from speaking at the International Coach Federation, doing a session for coaches. This particular coach also happened to lead uh, learning and development for an organization, saw that presentation, which happened to be focused on our vocal empowerment process and how we use improv, said, we've done a lot of presentation skills over the years. They've got hundreds of thousands of employees We've never looked at things through the lens of improv and role play in terms of not just getting people 
executive presence, but really helping them have fun and be a little zany in pursuit of finding more of their authentic voice. So that's how that happened. But I would say that the universal theme has been being very clear about what we do different from our competitors. We are not saying we do it better. We're saying this is what we do differently. And if that approach appeals, we're your people. Then making sure that we have consistent visibility in front of vice presidents of people development. We also have messaging services for organizations. So I will do some presentations in front of public relations folks or at communications events. Then a fair amount also at women's leadership events where a lot of my keynotes will be for um, employee resource groups or women's leadership initiatives within companies. And so that gives the visibility for those events. Is it hard to get those speaking opportunities in the first place? At this stage, no, because there's such a track record at this stage, have really good representation from some speaking agents. And so there's a level of social proof where even if somebody hasn't seen us, they can figure out we, we're good at what we do. In the beginning stages, absolutely. And I see a lot of consultants make the mistake of doing what we call the pitch and pray. I'm going to look online. I'm going to put into a search engine speaking opportunities or speaking submissions with their keywords the year, and then they blind submit. And it's not to say that that doesn't play a piece in getting opportunities. I will still on occasion submit that way. But 80% of opportunities we see for the consultants we mentor come from their existing network or somebody who's one degree away. So mm-hmm. getting comfortable with that discomfort of mobilizing our network and reaching out through help a colleague out emails or through connection calls and saying, you know me in this way, I'm looking to level up the speaking that I'm doing. These are the kinds of events that could be a great fit. Do you know anybody? That will get somebody onto the speaking circuit much more quickly, mm-hmm. even if it requires a lot more vulnerability to do it. And you also talked about mentoring there a moment ago. Uh, You have an international team of consultants. Where did you get those people? Were they people who came to you for mentoring and you decided to work with them as consultants? Because that's what's happened to guests on the show previously. I was doing 100% of our training up until two years ago. Then I got diagnosed with cancer, vocal cord nodules within the same time frame, and COVID happened. And it gave me the opportunity to develop our certification program, which had been a dream I'd had since I put out my book, uh, which was 2018. So once we had a training program where folks could come through and then they would leave and they would be able to lead these tools in their own businesses or bring them back to their companies. We also inadvertently had a pipeline of trained consultants to lead the work. So anybody who goes out to lead Step Into Your Moxie work through us has come through our three-day intensive. And normally they've been leading that work within their own businesses or in their own companies. And we've been able to track and see what does that look like. Okay. So for people listening, it might be worth clarifying. Moxie um, is a term used to describe, I guess, uh, courage. Is that right? Your, your moxie, your, your strength? So we always use it in terms of stepping into your moxie, which is that 
mindset and skill set to walk into any room, into any conversation, mm-hmm. onto any stage, speak up for mm-hmm. yourself, the ideas and issues that matter to your company, mm-hmm. and call people to take action. Moxie in and of itself, I realize people who are listening can't see the image that's in my office, but the word itself, it's a noun. It means vigor and verve and pep and courage. But we like that idea of stepping into it because I don't think people are naturally endowed with confidence. The world strips us of that very quickly. And so there's often this taking a breath to lock into that mindset and skill set to facilitate speaking up for ourselves that needs to happen. And so we get people clear on what are all the different components of vocal empowerment. So we look at inner voice, we look at physiological sensation, we look at messaging, we certainly look at physical presence, and ultimately persuasion or calling people to take action. And those are all the behaviors that allow Moxie to show when we open our mouths to speak. I'm I'm very intrigued because it's something which has crossed my mind for my business. And I know some people who've been previous guests have explained to me the benefit of having a certification program. On the one hand, it, uh, it, it allows you to create something which is an asset, which you can charge people licensing for. It also gives you more revenue possibilities because you've got people who are effectively delivering your content when you're not there. Um, what was that like, conceiving, developing, training people up on your certification program? The most exhilarating thing I've done in my business. And I say that because when you've developed a body of work, you've honed it, you've led it, and then you see other people mastering it and doing it with their flavor, but absolutely with the integrity of the way it's meant to be led, you realize I could retire and know that my work will live on beyond me and be able to create Mm. ripples around the world in a way that I, as a lone ranger, can't do. And so getting emails from people who've said, I I encountered step into your moxie from XYZ facilitator um, in all of these different regions, different sectors. I mean, I just come back to the word exhilarating. That's how it's felt. Now, I don't want to skirt around the fact, did it take, was it a labor of love? Absolutely. I developed carpal tunnel for the first time while creating all the training resources. So that was brutal. Uh, but leading that three day intensive, we do it once or twice a year where we bring people together to Las Vegas to learn every activity that's in the system, to learn how to be able to pair the activities as a half day, a full day, a two day, an online, um, an offline. So they, they leave with all of these templates to make it really easy to lead and seeing people say things like, thank you for creating such a solid structure. So I don't have to think about how to do this. Paired with everybody who gets certified also has the flexibility to lead any activity they want in their own business with attribution back to step into your moxie. So when people also say, I don't know if I'll ever lead the curriculum exactly as you designed it, but now I have all these activities that I can lead in my company or in my particular focus that's therapy has also been great. One of the things One of the reasons why I didn't get certified in a lot of things was not because of a lack of interest. It was always feeling like there was either so much freedom, I didn't know what to do with something, or so much structure that my personality was smushed out. And so knowing that those were my complaints, 
really guided how to create a program that for the folks who wanted a lot of structure, they could have it, but also for the people who just wanted to enrich their existing body of work with activities and do it ethically by giving attribution, they could do that and not have um, a ton of oversight. So you have people who come to you and say, step into your moxie. That's um, a brand. I'd like to offer this to my clients. Are they doing this to their clients or do those clients become your clients? In other words, are they um, associates of yours or are they licensees of your work? And therefore, it's up to them how they generate business. It's the second, unless we pull somebody in to work with our clients. Mm -hmm. So our consultants, when I am not going out, or sometimes we have a need for two or three consultants to go out at one time, those would be people who are then independent contractors of us. But 99% of what's happening is people coming through, they pay a one-time only licensing fee um, to complete the training program to get licensed. And then as long as nothing goes wrong, um, they continue to leave that. They don't have to pay us another dollar. They can price however they would like. And that reminds me of an episode, um, just looking at my list of episodes here, from February this year, Sean Callahan in Australia, who began a company called Storytelling for Leaders. That's the brand. And um, over the years, he built up the business and uh, gradually realized there's an opportunity here. So he brought in people who'd approached him and said, you know, we'd like to train this stuff in our market. And he has the same approach. And I'm intrigued by what you said about bringing people to one location, Las Vegas. Um, Sean does the same thing, or at least he did before COVID. And people come in and they represent that territory. Um, are you selling this in the States or outside of the States as well, in terms so of your consultant work network? Yes. So in terms of us, we have international clients, mostly in Europe uh, and here. A lot of the step into your moxie work we lead that is international has been virtual, particularly because during COVID, I think the United States has been a little bit more relaxed. Although I will say anecdotally, having uh, just been in London a week before we recorded this was struck by not finding more than maybe two people the whole time wearing face masks. Where <laughs> I was one of them. <laughs> I'm surprised, actually. Like, mm. I always feel like I'm one of the only people who will st still wear one in a lot of yep. indoor settings. But there's more people here than what I encountered in London. So that's interesting. But um, the people who come to certification don't own a particular region. They are able to bring back the training to wherever they are. And at oh, this yeah. stage... It's not such a saturated market where anyone's competing with anybody else. The folks who come in are usually pretty seasoned coaches, consultants, or we have people who are bringing it directly back to their companies. We're giving them tools to market and to sell, but we're very clear that those are bonuses versus what we're really trying to do is give you a system for vocal empowerment um, that you can use in a way that's productive for you and your business goals or your leadership goals if you don't have your own business. So did you say that um, you are as bonus as providing them with some means of selling it or marketing it? Marketing it? Is that right? We also, because of my background, give a lot of resources on creating a signature presentation. So right. we're not certifying people in that. That's, again, simply a bonus, but we mm. know through the work that we've done with mentoring other consultants and in terms of my own career, that one of the fastest ways to grow a training coaching business is by getting visibility as a speaker. So we have templates that really show somebody who 
does not have a presentation or who wants to level it up, how to order it in the way that we recommend with their own content as an opening for being able to have a follow-up conversation after the presentation with folks who are interested in bringing them into coach or to train. Gotcha. Now you also have some generously given us some tips, which you'd like to share today about, um, well, based upon your expertise, the first one is to know your differentiators. Uh, secondly, speak to the conversation in other people's heads. Uh, make your pitches short. I agree with that fully. Uh, address personal motivators as much, if not more than pain points and use stop and smile to weed out vocalized thinking. <laughs> Let, let's go through those then. So the first it's one a, is... Um, it's a Cliff Notes version of uh, <laughs> a, a lot of the things we talk about in our training, but yes. yeah. Yeah. If you take nothing else away, take one or two of these tips and yeah. it will undoubtedly amplify your speaking and selling success. So yes, which one do you want to start with, Mark? Let's start with the first one, which is to know your differentiators. It surprises me how many entrepreneurs can't say in 30 seconds or less, these are three or four things we do differently from our competition. That's what I mean by a differentiator. And to be able to show it. So for example, 75% of our clients at Step Into Your Moxie rehire us because dot, dot, dot. So there's some social proof there. We're rehired frequently. And the reason is because our programs are trauma sensitive. They utilize role play and improv. They center and elevate marginalized voices. And they ensure that people have the capacity to navigate the uncomfortable sensations that emerge when they have challenging conversations. Hopefully somebody who's listening might say, well, those aren't our differentiators. That's you, Alexia, and that step into your moxie. But realize if you can't do that yet, spend some time, ask happy clients, what did we do differently from other vendors that you've hired in the space so that you know? Right. So either you know them or you have to go and ask for them and say, you know, what do you think our differentiators are? Yes. Okay. Um, speak to the conversation and in other people's heads. What does that mean? And in many ways, I'm going to pair this with address personal motivators as much, if not more than pain points, because they are very interrelated. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about speaking to the conversation in people's heads, actually imagining what are they thinking? How is that phrased in their heads? Sometimes that's going to be phrased as resistance. We've already tried something like this before. So I don't think it's worth trying again, because clearly we're a, a special snowflake and nothing's going to help our organization. And the reason I say speak to personal motivators as much as pain points is oftentimes when we're, we're talking about pain points in sales, it's about money. It's about not enough time. It's all the negative stuff. When we shift to personal motivators, rather than you don't have enough money and we're framing this as something cheap. What if making an investment and in working with, with us generates additional revenue for your organization? If a pain point might be not enough time, what if our uncomplicated approach unearths additional time for you. And a big personal motivator that often gets left out is sense of self. Even when selling to organizations, we'll talk a lot about imagine how your employees would feel if no longer they were in their heads, but they could be in their bodies, how much more they would speak up and how much more innovation your team might experience rather than people always positing the safe and done approach. So I encourage people who are listening to think about in your selling process, what does it look like if you don't only sell to end the pain, but 
you think about the pleasure and the personal motivation for that purchaser, but also for the people that they are representing. This is selling your brand, selling your products as, as a trainer, as a consultant. Um, make your pitches short. Yes. Hands up. Who agrees with that? Yes. Oh, Why? Both of my hands do. And I find that selling to companies, because we do both, we sell to companies and we sell to consultants. It's particularly important in selling to companies. I can't tell you how many multi-five-figure deals we've gotten. A paragraph, three sentences of follow-up, and we did the proposal out loud on a call. We sent them something afterward, but we didn't put a lot of stuff in the emails because it goes to email purgatory, where if people are having to read things, especially these days where everybody feels overwhelmed and on the brink of burnout, what you get are a lot of emails. This sounds great. We haven't had a chance to look it over. We'll get back to you which is worse than a clean, no, we're not interested. <laughs> so keeping those emails short, focused on personal motivators, what's actually going on for that decision maker and moving things to calls so that anything that requires explanation is done in real time with somebody versus over email is beneficial. Yeah, we've all been on the receiving end of some enormous document, which goes on and on and on and on. People usually scan it uh, overlook key parts of it and then get to the yes. price and then they make a decision on that as opposed to saying what actually is short, punchy to the point. Um, and you're so right. If people haven't the time to read or consume or make a decision, invariably they'll not. Um, emails are short. Why make someone thumb scroll when you could just give them a yes or no? You're, you're so right. Um, and I, th I think that when you're pitching it as a consultant, if you can't explain to people what you do and why they should hire you in a paragraph, uh, it's, it's hard. It's hard to make a decision on that. And we have to think of, of what the people who are hiring us go through. You know, they get all kinds of pitches from all kinds of people. So make, make their lives easy. Um, and you stop and smile to weed out vocalized thinking. Uh, I guess that's again, your area of expertise given your background. What do you mean by stop and smile? You mean pauses or something else? Yes, it literally is as simple as when you're not sure what to say next, you find yourself at the end of a thought, your brain and your mouth are not perfectly synced up. Stop, even if it's mid-sentence. Focus on connection, smile. And it's not smiling for approval. It's smiling to have some self-compassion and take that moment and focus on connection with the person or people we're speaking with. When I ask folks across sectors, what is your number one fear around public speaking? It's almost always that I'm going to forget where I am or look silly or stupid. It's never about I'm going to cause harm or I'm going to have a heart attack. It's always what happens in that moment when I go blank. And that is something I can relate to. That was my number one fear as well until I realized that going blank will always happen. <laughs> if we have enough communication, there's going to be moments where we don't know what to say. And if the goal stops being having something fully formed at all moments and instead connection over perfection, take the time to stop and smile, to breathe, to slow down. It's liberating because we realize, oh, something can go wrong and we will recalibrate and we will recover and it will be okay.
And I suppose that that comes from your improv background, being comfortable with not knowing what to say and being able to pivot uh, in the moment. Yes. And improv is fast. Most Mm. presentations don't have to be that fast. We're not looking to make people laugh every 30 seconds. (laughs) Therefore, what happens if in those uncomfortable moments, we slow down, we use vocal variety. We often think that people are going to notice that we've lost our way. But when we slow down, it feels suddenly like everything we're saying is more important. So many people feel actually more called in. And I love doing work with small groups because they see that in each other when we practice over and over again, stopping and smiling, because it is one of those exercises that takes, like any habit, 90 to 120 days to make it organic, to actually see the results of weeding out the filler words. But it's so worth it because it really changes your inner physiological experience when you recognize at any moment, anything can happen and I can stop and smile. I think that's a nice way to end. (laughs) (laughs) Alexia, where can people find out more about you and your brand? They can go to stepintoyourmoxie.com and we've got a free cheat sheet over there on persuasive words and phrases. So if anybody wants to grab that, it's on the homepage of Step Into Your Moxie. And then you've got things that you can bring into any conversation or presentation to level up not only your persuasive confidence, but your persuasive competence. And definitely you can connect on LinkedIn. Alexia Vernon goes to me. We've got great tips if you follow Step Into Your Moxie on LinkedIn. And same thing with Instagram. My personal is Alexia Vernon, but then the business is Step Into Your Moxie. It's been a real pleasure and, and a really, really interesting story. Thank you for being my guest today on the show, Alexia. Thanks for the invitation, Mark. My thanks to Alexia for being my guest this week on the show, and thanks to you for listening again. If you have a question or suggestion, please email me directly, mark at trainingbusiness.com. I read all emails individually and reply personally. And my team, Sam, Joe, James, Turul, and I appreciate your loyalty and your time. Please click on follow or subscribe right now to be notified of great episodes as they come out. It costs nothing, takes only a couple of seconds to do. But there is a fresh episode of the podcast. Again, next Thursday, as there is every Thursday, you'll find all episodes, past, present, and future, on your podcast platform of choice or or over at trainingbusiness.com. Until next Thursday, talk soon. Bye for now. once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. See you next time.